The Lord gives whatever is asked from him. This is the Bhajan Jomange Takurapane Te on page 174. He has spread his power in the four directions and has put his hand on my head. Looking with gracious eyes, he has removed the pain of his servant. Master, who is the Lord, protects his people himself, removing all the bad qualities. The compassionate and forgiving one embraces me. The Lord gives whatever is asked from him. Whatever Nanak the servant speaks from his mouth becomes true here and hereafter. The Lord gives whatever is asked from him. Bhajan of Guru Arjan Dev on page 174. Jo mange takuri apane te so iso i deve Jo mange takuri apane te so iso i deve Chitra di sakino bale apna siri upar kar dario. Chitra di sakino bale apna siri upar kar dario. Kirpa karta ki avalo kanakino Taska duka bidario Kirpa karta ki avalo kanakino Taska duka bidario Jo mange takuri apane te so iso i deve Jo mange takuri apane te so iso i deve Harjanarake Guru Govinda Rake Guru Govinda Harjanarake Guru Govinda Rake Guru Govinda Kantalai avaguna sabamete Japurakabakashinda Kantalai avaguna sabamete Japurakabakashinda Jo mange takuri apane te 
So we so we deve Jo mange takuri apanete So we so we deve Jo mange takuri apanete so we so we deve Jo mange takuri apanete So we so we deve Nanakadas mukate jo bole Iaua sachahove Nanakadas mukate jo bole Iaua sachahove Jo mange takuri apanete so we so we deve Jo mange takuri apanete So we so we deve The Lord gives whatever is asked from him. The next bhajan is on page 151. If you want to become the philosopher's stone, O soul, read the Bani of the Satguru. Come on, dear ones of the Satguru, and sing the true Bani. At least sing the Guru's Bani, as that Bani is above the others. Those who have good fortune and grace in their heart dwells the bani. Drink the nectar and always remain in the color of God as the rainbird remembers the water. Nanak says, always sing as this is the true bani. If you want to become the philosopher's stone, O soul, read the bani of the Satguru. Jay Parasona E Jindarie Bhajan of Guru Amardas on page one fifty one. Jay Parasahona E Jindarie Parasatu Guru Dibani Jay Parasahona E Jindariye Parasat Guru Dibani Avo Sikha Sat Guru Ke Pyariyo Avo Sikha Sat Guru Ke Pyariyo Kavo Sachi Bani Jindariye Parasat Guru Dibani Jai 
If you want to become the philosopher's stone, O soul, read the Bani of the Satguru. Okay, a couple of announcements. The next World Religions class will be on April 25th at 2 p.m. And the new book, The Rescue of the Virus of Bhagradas, is on the dining room table. If you have not seen it, you should. I want to read a couple of sections from a couple of talks 
today that I actually gave after uh, meetings with Sanchi back now many years ago. I want to begin with an underground room talk which he gave on January 4th, 1986. That is just before, as you may, many of you will remember, at the end of the Rajasthan groups, on the final day or two of the group, uh, after we had put in 10 days of meditation, we would all go down into the underground room for a few minutes, and he would give us a talk before we went down. In the new book, there are three different examples of those particular talks. So, on January 4th, 1986, this is what Sanchi said. I thank that God Kripal, who left his eternal home where there is no confusion, no suffering, and leaving that home, he came into this world which is full of suffering, for our sake. Even if a person in ignorance says that after coming into this world which is full of suffering, he will not have any suffering, he will have a peaceful life, how can you expect not to suffer? How can you expect to have peace when this world is full of suffering? Neither the wealthy ones are happy nor the poor ones are happy. Neither the illiterate are happy nor the learned are happy. I mean to say that there is no one who is happy in this world. There is no peace, there is no happiness in this world. If there is any peace or happiness, it is only by connecting ourselves with the Nam. I have said a lot about this place, and a lot has been published in St. Bonnie magazine, and you would have read that how God Kripal ordered this poor Ajayab to go underground and do meditation. He told me that I didn't have to come out, that whenever he would want, he would come himself to see me. Whenever the master makes any promise, he always fulfills that. So according to his word, he would come here whenever he wanted. And with sincerity, devotion, and love, he took care of the soul of this poor Ajayab. Azur used to say that if the disciple takes one step, the master walks toward him 50 steps and helps him and takes care of the disciple. We come to know about how master welcomes us only when our soul is perfected and taken care of by him. When a son who has not been to his home for a long time comes back home, the parents are very happy because they have been waiting there, yearning for that son, and they gather together all sorts of things to welcome him. They are very happy because the son has come back. In the same way, Master also welcomes us when he protects our soul, when he takes our soul back to our real home. We understand the taste of the pleasures of the world as sweet and good as long as we have not tasted the nectar of the Shabad Nam. Guru Nanak Sahib says that you can have only one taste at a time. When we get the taste of Shabad Nam, 
that all the tastes of the pleasures of the world go away and seem useless. We are in the new year. We have already entered it. In the new year, we send New Year's greetings and best wishes to our relatives, to our friends, and to our dear ones, and we get greetings and best wishes from our relatives also. They wish us a long life. Some people wish us that this new year may bring us a lot of happiness and prosperity. In the same way, I also congratulate all of you heartily. I also wish that in this new year you all may do a lot of bhajan and simran so that you also may become successful in this path. And I read that as was part of a talk I gave when I got back from that particular trip, January 12th, 1986. And I want to read a couple of sections from this talk. In the past, I have been aware of how much the Master loves us insofar as I can be. As Master Kripal used to say, if we really knew how much he loved us, we'd be dancing in the streets. I've been shown the Master's love in the past, but I think on this trip, it was not only that I was bathed in that love from the beginning to the end, but I was confronted with the challenge that that love carries. It is not enough just to be loved by the Master. What are we going to do with that love? What are its implications? How is it going to bear itself out in our life? The, uh, the talk was titled The Confrontation with Love, by the way. It is the most important fact in the universe that God incarnates himself in the form of a human being in order to love us. In order to love us, that is, in a way that we can take hold of. He loves us anyway, or he wouldn't have come in the first place. Sanji used to say, he came down in order to love if he comes down, then we know that he loves us, not as an article of faith or a matter of theology, but as a fact. We are confronted with it. He loves us, and that forces us, to the degree that we grasp it, to live up to the implications of that. And that's not an easy thing to do. In fact, it is frightening to grasp the full implications of the dimensions of the Master's love for us. The underground room experience always, as I have often said, seems to me to explain the trip each year. I feel that what happens at the underground room sheds its light back onto the rest of the trip so that we come away understanding. We look back through the focus of the lens of the underground room, and the Master allows us to participate beyond our abilities in that which made him a Master. It's a very amazing privilege and a very great blessing. I know I don't need to tell people that, but each year as we go to the underground room courtyard, I get very excited. 
This year in the courtyard, my heart was beating very rapidly, and I was totally keen. And in the talk he gave there, which we will read in a couple of minutes, actually, of course, I just read it. He talks about the love of the Master toward us that manifests itself in the loving care of the Master for us. And not only for us. Another theme that came up, maybe not so much in the satsangs, in the public talks, but which seemed to me to be there between the lines, and which Sanji mentioned to me privately also, is his care for the rest of the world. There is no doubt that this is demanding a great deal of him. I need not go into detail about it. If someone from the last century, who believed in the gradual progress of humanity, and who had after all lived 50 or 60 years without a major war, were plunked down into the world as it is today, instead of being impressed with the progress that we've made, he would probably run screaming for the nearest time warp. The world has gone mad, and it does affect the master. He has to deal with that. I don't pretend to be an authority on exactly what he does to deal with it or what effect it has. There is no doubt, no question, that Sanchi is very much preoccupied I felt this not when he was giving talks and in satsang. Then he was fully with us as usual. But at other times it seemed very clear to me that he was far, far away. He has a lot to do. As Jesus said to his disciples, I have other sheep who are not of this flock. We don't know the full scope of what he has to do. We can't even begin to guess that. But as he said to me when I was in his room, wherever there is suffering, I am compelled to go there. And there is a lot of suffering, not just where his initiates are suffering, although that especially perhaps, but he loves everybody. From the point of view of God, remember, whether we are initiated or not is a matter of time. It is not a matter of eternity. Sooner or later, every soul will come back to God because it is a part of him and it can't be kept separate forever. Even though for the moment, only those who can see it that way are actively engaged in returning to him. Naturally, the master takes care of them first, but not only them. It seemed to me this time that his face was the thinnest of masks, masking the radiant blaze of the light that is behind it. Sometimes, in some circumstances, it would seem that that light was just spilling out of him all around, making an aura that went on for miles, it seemed. Other times, I would see the thinnest of veils separating us from the glory of God in its fullness. It would be very clear that that is the case. Inherent in the fact of incarnation is the pain of the human condition. That is what is meant by God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That son is the logos, the word, the shepherd power. And every time it incarnates in the human body, it voluntarily and lovingly takes on the pain of the human condition 
just to make it easier for us by allowing us to work hard, by allowing us to go into the underground room where the final perfection of a soul occurred, by allowing us to laugh and joke with him, to participate in his quality, we might say, by allowing all that, he gives us a chance. And then, if we take one step toward him, then he takes 50, a hundred, a million toward us. Actually, Master Kripal once wrote me that if we take one step toward the Master, he takes a million steps towards us. But we have to take that one step. And one thing that was clear on this trip is that that one step is not more than we can do. It is what we can do. At the end of the underground room experience, Sanchi talked to me a few minutes, as he has for several years now. And he said that when the time comes that the disciple has to do the kind of meditation that he did in the underground room, full-time meditation, then the master makes him do it. He has no choice. He said that it was the grace of Kripal that enabled him to obey Kripal, not any ability of his. And implicit in that was a message, not to worry if we are not up to that yet. When it becomes necessary for us to do it, we will do it. We won't have any choice. We don't have to push or shove or worry about it as long as we are doing what we can do, taking the one step that is ours to take. Earlier one day when I was talking with him, I had not slept the night before. I had been unable to sleep. It was a problem that several of us had in this group. There were a number of, of those trips in the mid-80s where actually I was unable to sleep much at all during the night. I master would wake me and I would go into the hall and sit there all night. That happened a lot. And I was not the only one that was quite common, actually. Consequently, I was very tired when I talked to him. I was so tired, in fact, that I was not really very receptive. And the next day I apologized to him and said, yesterday when I was talking with you, Master had compelled me to get up very early in the evening, and I didn't get any sleep at all, really, and I was very tired. And he looked at me and said, well, it happens, but you've got to take care of your health also. And other people told me that he had indicated to them that what is required when you are over there is to sit from three to six and then the other times during the day that are outlined. It is not required of anyone that they never go to bed. If we really can't help it, that's another thing. But we have to watch our health. Because, you know, when we come in confrontation with that love, face to face with that love, that is a heavy business. If we are strong and rested and receptive, then we can handle it. We can assimilate it. We can digest it. If not, if we're strung out, pushing ourselves too hard, tired out before we even get there, which sometimes happens, and sometimes we can't digest it very well, it's a very powerful thing that we come face to face with when we go to see him. We put ourselves in that position and we voluntarily go 
knowing that there is a strong thing to come face to face with. There have been a number of talks given here by various people over the years about the importance of not pretending to be that which we are not. And that means, for example, making ourselves sit all night if Master is not compelling us to do it. I am content with whatever he makes me do. And I'm going to skip a long paragraph and pick up with, also, if we complain that we are not making progress, I think sometimes when we are shown something that indicates what that so-called progress really is, the word progress is such a paltry, pathetic word to describe what happens to the soul as it goes inside. When we are shown something and we see the tremendousness of what lies within, and the pettiness and triviality of that which we have to confront it with. We understand that if we want to be shown more, we've got to develop the apparatus with which to receive more. C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his greatest books, we can't expect the gods to meet us face to face until we have faces. And that is exactly how the preliminary steps of the path can be described. When we go over there, we are making an effort to develop those faces, but we haven't necessarily got them yet. And we can't act as though we do. If we do, we run the risk of not digesting. And I've been on a number of trips where people have had that problem. Being given something very powerful, but for one reason or another, being unable to digest it fully. The books are full of warnings about this. We go over there and sit at his feet and there's that little thin mask separating the glory of God from us. And it is amazing to me how much our attention still remains on our little petty selves, how much we pay attention to us and how little to him, even over there. I'm not speaking about anybody else. I have enough evidence of that in regard to myself. So the perspective of being with him is a reordering of point of view. It's absolutely necessary to have that reordering in order to make sense out of the world. If we know that the core of the universe is love, that that which created us does love us and doesn't rest content with having created us, but also wants to call us back to itself, then we can make it. If we take one step towards him, he takes 50 towards us, or a million. Master Kripal wrote that same statement to me once with a million in it. So the overwhelming relevance of the love of God, I would say, we can never think that we can take it for granted, or that it fits into our lives easily and neatly like other things. It's an explosion, and explosions have fallout and they have after-effects, and they disrupt. He talks sometimes after the bhajan sessions. In effect, he gave us extra satsangs. One afternoon, Hoya Sukha Ole was sung, and afterwards he started talking about it. It's a very powerful bhajan. The happiness has disappeared. Who will share the pain? Come, listen, O beloved Kripal. To whom else can I tell my pain? And he said that last year, after Mrs. Gandhi's assassination, 
which happened while the group was there. He had followed the group in a car as far as Sirsa, which is halfway, and then had come back. And he wrote that bhajan in the car on the way back from Sirsa. The pain referred to in that song is the condition of the world. It was a direct response to the suffering that Mrs. Gandhi's assassination caused. He told us in another session that we shouldn't try to write bhajans until we had reached Aswandwar. When he writes these, he's not writing in a personal way. It's not his private pain. It's our pain that is being expressed. It's the pain of the world. It's the pain of any disciple who can't easily make it. It's the pain of anyone who has pain. They are not personal lyrics at all, although they are expressed in a personal way. They are universal. That song took on a different dimension for me, and I found myself singing it for the rest of the trip. Whenever my lips wouldn't be doing anything else, they started forming the chorus of that bhajan. I was constantly singing, singing, Come, listen, O beloved Kripal, to whom else can I tell my pain? It seemed to tie in that whole dimension of the master taking on the suffering of everyone, not just the initiates. Considering the circumstances when the bhajan was written, no line in the bhajans expresses more clearly than this one that when pain is suffered, it is the master who suffers it. I am wandering from door to door, getting kicked and knocked. What can that possibly mean in terms of Sanchi's personal life last year on the way from Sirsa to village 16 PS? What it means is that he personally is in all those people who are being slaughtered and persecuted. It is he that feels the pain. The master is in everyone, not just theoretically or abstractly, but consciously and really, and he suffers when there is suffering. He suffers. Quote, finally, I have come to you for support. I remember you and plead to you. God came into this world taking up the body of a man. Even after being present in all, he hid himself. Ajayb says this and tells of his pain. Come, listen, O beloved Kripal. To whom else can I tell my pain? The happiness has disappeared. Who will share the pain? Come, listen, O beloved Kripal. To whom else can I tell my pain? Unquote. And I want to conclude with reading a section from another talk, which was given right after the uh, 1985 tour, which, of course, was primarily a West Coast tour. If you remember, he went to Australia and came to California, stayed at Don and Charlotte's house for a day or two, went up to Shamaz, from there to Idaho, then to Vancouver, then to Montreal, and then to England, and it was Judas and my great privilege to accompany him the whole trip, except that I had to go back to Cambridge, Mass., to finish some schoolwork during the time he was at Shamaz. So I was out here. I was at Don and Charlotte's house, 
And then I was in Vancouver. I joined the tour again from Vancouver on. So this talk was given right after we got back from England. I will read pretty much most of the talk. The tour is over. Just Friday morning, Judith and I and a few others stood in the gate at the London airport and watched Sanchi go off on his way back to India. England was a very interesting time. There were a lot of people there. Initiation was given in six different languages. Europe is like that. I thought of the Tower of Babel and how the negative power had inflicted this curse of language on people and how the positive power comes and just manages to somehow override it by just working it out. Twenty-two people were initiated in six different languages. They just went all over the house, some in one place and some in another, and then they just came together for the meditation. The initiation was great, a little chaotic perhaps, but nonetheless it was very beautiful, and the satsangs were very beautiful, and there was a lot of power everywhere. There was one thing that Sanchi said in England that I want to comment on today because my main concern now is not what happened on the tour, but what are we going to do now? What does the Master come on tour for? That is why that particular passage from the first epistle of John, which began the article, and I will now read it, something which has existed since the beginning, that we have heard and we have seen with our own eyes and we have watched and touched with our hands. The word who is life, this is our subject. That life was made visible. We saw it and we are giving our testimony, telling you of the eternal life which was with the Father and has been made visible to us. What we have seen and heard we are telling you so that you too may be in union with us as we are in union with the Father and with his Son. We are writing this to you to make our own joy complete. This, of course, was written by presumably the Apostle John, the beloved disciple, although exactly who he was is disputed. Uh, sometime after Jesus had left the body. That passage has always struck me as one of the most relevant in the Bible for satsangis, because this is the whole point. The Word became flesh, and we have seen him, and our hands have touched him in many cases, and we have heard his voice with our own ears. It's a real thing. And what are we going to do with it? So it's important that we bear in mind his concerns and make them our concerns. I want to comment on something he said in the last satsang on London, on, in London on Thursday afternoon, which was a very powerful satsang, the last one of his tour. A very interesting thing happened during that satsang. I was sitting up front watching Sanchi, and all of a sudden I heard a crash, tremendous thud. Sanchi stopped dead and was staring at a particular spot in the back of the hall. And I turned around and saw what looked like a valley being created in the jam-packed crowd. And I saw a video camera falling down. What had happened was that the video cameraman, 
the professional who was not initiated, had gotten so involved in watching the picture that his legs were locked into place and he lost control of them. And he had lost control of his body and went. He told Mr. Agnihotri, Sanchi's representative, later, well, I was just enjoying myself. Sanchi stopped because the man knocked some other people down when he went down, and he continued as soon as it was clear that they were all right. That incident was a sort of paradigm of the London stay. It was confusing and chaotic, yet full of grace and power, so much so that it can knock people down, you see. So in that satsang, he told a story that he has told before about Guru Nanak and Mardana. They were walking together, and Guru Nanak said to Mardana, Mardana, how much life do you count on? And Mardana said, Well, Master, I never expect that I will be able to take the next step. I take this step, but I don't count on the next step. And Nanak said, Well, Mardana, I take in a breath, and I don't count on being able to take out a breath. And I, this story was tremendously meaningful to me. Judith and I, of course, heard Master say this together. We were both there in England. And Judith often mentioned to me that this was the way she would like to go, that you take in a breath and you don't take it out. And, of course, that is exactly the way she went. I mean, one minute she was alive and walking into the bathroom, and the next minute she was on the floor in the bathroom, gone, basically, although she lived technically for a few more minutes. But from her point of view, she went between one breath going in and one breath going out. And uh, we often commented on this story. And it seems to me absolutely essential to bear this in mind for ourselves and for others too. Now that is the master talking who is totally subject to the will of God. But the point is that this is reality. We can't count on anything anything at all on the outer plane. And it is vitally important that we bear that in mind because the tendency always is to assume that we can. And if we study the Gospels carefully, we find, as we mentioned before when we were doing the Gospel series, that this is a main theme that Jesus repeated over and over again. You cannot count on anything. Master Kripal used to say, you cannot depend on life, which is the same point. Jesus tells the following story, which I will read from the Gospel of Luke in its whole context. A man in the crowd said to him, Master, tell my brother to give me a share of our inheritance. My friend, he replied, Jesus replied, who appointed me your judge or the arbitrator of your claims? In the Gospel of Thomas, the same incident is found, and there Jesus said, Who made me a divider? And he turned to the disciples and said, I am not a divider, am I? Which I always find is a very interesting variation. Then he said to them, Watch and be on your guard against avarice, that is greed, if we remember Sanchi's story of the swamp-like sin, which is in the new book, by the way, be on your guard against avarice or greed of any kind, 
For a man's life is not made secure by what he owns, even when he has more than he needs. Then he told him a parable. There was once a rich man who, having had a good harvest from his land, thought to himself, What am I to do? I have not enough room to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I will do. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones, and store all my grain and my goods in them. And I will say to my soul, My soul, you have plenty of good things laid by for many years to come. Take things easy, eat, drink, have a good time. But God said to him, Fool, this very night the demand will be made for your soul. And this hoard of yours, whose will it be then? So it is when a man stores up treasures for himself. So it is when a man stores up treasures for himself in place of making himself rich in the sight of God. Then he said to his disciples, That is why I am telling you not to worry about your life and what you are to eat, nor about your body and how you are to clothe it. For life means more than food and the body more than clothing. Think of the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storehouses and no barns, yet God feeds them. And how much more are you worth than the birds? Can any of you, for all his worrying, add a single cubit to his span of life? If the smallest things, therefore, are outside your control, why worry about the rest? Think of the flowers. They never have to spin or weave. Yet I assure you, not even Solomon in all his glory was robed like one of these. Now if that is how God clothes the grass in the field, which is there today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he look after you, you men of little faith? But you, you must not set your heart on things to eat and things to drink, nor must you worry. It is the pagans of this world who set their hearts on these things. Your Father well knows you need them. No, set your hearts on his kingdom, and these other things will be given you as well. There is no need to be afraid, little flock, for it has pleased your Father to give you the kingdom. From uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. It has pleased our Father to give us the kingdom, so we must act in accordance with that gift. That next to last sentence is translated in the King James Version as, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, we don't lose anything by giving it up. Master Kripal used to say, You never lose anything when you give but we cannot count on our own ability to control anything. And that, I think, when everything else is stripped away, is the fundamental psychological message of the Master. The dialogue between Guru Nanak and Mardana in the section from the Gospel of Luke above both say very clearly that we don't have control over the things that happen to us. The only thing that is given to us that is real is what we have inside. The light of God, the voice of God, 
the inner experiences that we get by paying attention to those things, the love of God, especially as mediated to us through the living master, these things are real. That is what we have. That is our wealth that we can count on. We can't count on the next breath. We can't count on the outgoing of the breath we have just taken in, but we can count on the love of God. So we have to be aware that this is the way life works. We are vulnerable to the universe controlled by the negative power, but we have strength given to us by God, by the positive power. That strength is given to us to the degree that we love him, to the degree that we put our attention on him. It is given to us primarily through our initiation, but it is not only confined to initiates. It is given to anybody who wants it, and it is for us to seek that first, his kingdom. Actually, the Greek word should be translated kingship. This is a very interesting point, by the way, which I, I think is important. Like, as a lot of you know, I've often gone into the particular meaning of particular words in the New Testament that are translated traditional ways. And uh, this is a, an example of that. Kingship, kingness, being a king is what is being talked about. The kingship of God is what is given to us, not kingdom in the sense of a place, but kingship in the sense of a state of being. We can have that. That kingship of God is waiting for us if we claim it. But we have to want it more than other things. We have to have what Master Kripal called a ruling passion. Sanchi talked on this tour a lot about this attitude, this state of mind. In Vancouver, he told the story of the charcoal burner who pleased a king, and the king gave him a grove of sandalwood trees, which, of course, is very valuable wood. The charcoal burner didn't know that, and he burnt it for charcoal and sold it like all his other wood. And, of course, Sanchi said that at the end, when the king asked him, the king thought he would be very wealthy by that time, and he discovered that he hadn't changed at all. And he learned what the charcoal burner had done, and he said, well, do you have any of that wood left? And the charcoal burner said, yes, I have one piece that I use to transport other pieces. And he said, well, take that to the market and just see what happens. So he took it to the market, and he sold it for about 15 times as much as as uh, he had sold the whole previous forest, and he understood what he had done. The charcoal burner didn't know that, and he burnt it for charcoal and sold it like all other wood. So there is grace, but we have to make the best use of that grace. Otherwise, we become very disappointed in our own self, ultimately. And we don't feel good, and we wonder, I have spent all this time walking on the path, but we haven't walked in the path at all. We've been dancing around on the grass beside it, looking at it and saying, I'm on the path. Two things that the masters say are both said in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Which, by the way, as many of you know, Master Kripal had posted on his porch in front of his house at Salon Ashram. 
At the very end of the initiation instructions are the words, respect my words more than my body. It's a great privilege and pleasure to have darshan. And if we include the whole complex of things that can happen when we are in his presence, then I would say that there is no doubt that it is the greatest thing in the world that a person can have. But to obey him is greater than having darshan. And if we talk about loving the master, loving means making his priorities our priorities, his concerns our concerns, his preoccupations our preoccupations. He treats his children, us, in fact, the whole world, with respect and love and trust. He gives us a chance. If we don't make it, then he'll give us another chance. We also must do the same. And that is the second commandment that is mentioned in the Gospel of John. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. We are initiated, we have been given darshan, and for us on the East Coast who could not go West, he gave us the tremendous gift of stopping in Montreal so that all of us who are not on the West Coast also had the chance of going up and seeing him. We know the path is not a religion, not a system of thought. It can be classified in those ways if we look at it from certain angles. But the point of it is that we are to walk on it and find God. His kingship has been given to us. Fear not, little flock, for it has pleased our Father to give you his kingship. Is that not a tremendous thing? An absolutely enormous thing that makes other things diminish in comparison? Is that not the whole point of being alive? If we take the words of all the saints who have come, including Jesus and all the others, does it not all come down to that? Fear not, little flock, for it has pleased our Father to entrust you with his kingship. And now what are we going to do with it? What kind of thanks is it if we just throw it away? It is like the man with the sandalwood trees who just made charcoal out of them. If we take the kingship of God, which has been entrusted to us, and don't do any more with it than we have always done with everything else that we have ever had, then are we not doing that same thing? So we must begin to put in practice now what the Master has entrusted to us. Master Kripal used to quote the parable of the talents, also from the Bible, where the employer gives his servants five talents, two talents, and one talent, a talent being a kind of money. Two of the servants invested their talents and made more with them, but one of them was afraid that the master would mistreat him if he lost it, so he buried it and gave it back to him. And the master was pleased with the first two, but with the third, he took the talent away and gave it to one of the others. Master Kripal used to quote this story to show us that we are entrusted with something. When the master initiates us, he is not just welcoming us into a club or a community of happy people, although hopefully, to the extent that we love each other and go jolly, we are a community of happy people. The point is that we have been given something 
which we have to develop. He uses those very words. We have to take it as far as we can. And the farther that we can take it, the more we will understand the reason for the whole thing, and the more we will be able to cope. There is no security in this outer world. None. On that level, there is total and ultimate vulnerability. But on the level within, on the level of the connection with God, there is total security and no vulnerability. That is the kingship of God that is offered to us. That is ours for the taking. But we must take it. And I would, you know, just by way of conclusion, I would point out that everything that we were just saying is still valid. What the Master has given us, he has given us. It is ours. It is there doesn't go away, can't go away, and that all of his love, all of his grace, all of the many experiences that we had with him, or the few as the case may be, whatever they were, they are all still there, because the master works outside of time. He comes from the level of eternity And in eternity, there is no past and no future and no present. There is only what is. And nothing that we do or say or think can alter that. Everything that he has given to us, we have. We have it. It is there. Every darshan that we had, every time that we put into practice something that he said, every time we listened with full attention to what he had to say, every time we read something of his or listened to a tape or watched a video, every time we sang a bhajan, every time we went inside, even to the smallest degree, and saw a glimmer of light and heard sound, all of that is still with us, every single bit. We have it. It is there. It is ours to make use of. And even if the story of the man with the sandalwood trees breaks down in this, that in the case of the master, he does give us a grove of sandalwood trees, and we often do cut it down and burn it for charcoal. But the astonishing thing is, on the path, that when we do that and we discover, hey, what have I done? that the grove of sandalwood trees is still there. We can again make use of it. It's because what the Master gives is not subject to the vulnerability and the insecurity of this world. It is beyond all that. So we have what we need. You know, it is given to us. And Master says, Kripal has said this, Sanchi has said it, Sawan Singh has said it, that one glance of the master is enough for a lifetime. One glance. And it's true. Because in that glance, there is entire of entireness of eternity. There is no shilly-shallying, wishy-washiness about it. It includes, encompasses everything. So one glance is enough for an entire lifetime. 
that includes everything we need to build on and to make use of what he has given us. And, you know, it's like, I think it's important too. I think back, I had different experiences on different trips in India. And the year before that I went, that I talked about in this talk, uh, I I titled the talk when I published it, The Battlefield, because on that trip, it was the first time that I really experienced this. I could not sleep past, uh, in most nights, midnight. And I was, I was literally dragged out of bed and into the satsang hall and was there the rest of the night. And this trip, it is possible that I was wanting that to happen again. I don't know. But there was, somehow, it was not the same in that way. And Sanchi cautioned me, you know, well, it happens. But you have to look after your health, too. So we can, you know, it's like he knows people. I, I've often told this story, too, that uh, one time I was on tour South America, actually, and uh, we arrived at the ashram in Bogota, and we were told the various people who came with the master were being told where they were going to stay, and some people from the U.S. had arrived in the meantime, and so we, were, a lot of us were put up with them. And I was put with somebody whom I really couldn't bear. I'm not proud to say this, but I did not, I could not get along with that guy. And the thought of rooming with him for the whole master's stay just filled me with, with horror. And I was, I was just totally throw blown by it. And I started to cry. I was standing there in the room and I started to cry. I was thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to spend this whole time in a room with, with him. And I envisioned on and on conversations about, um, uh, I don't even want to go into why I was I felt that way. And the master looked over and he saw me and he called me over to him and he said, um, you are crying. What's wrong? And I told him. I told him exactly what I just said. And he put his arm around me and he said, well, don't worry. We'll find some place else for you. And it was total sympathy for me. And I would point out, this is so silly. You know, I was being so childish, really. And yet the master didn't say, hey, you should grow up, you know which we might have said if somebody did that to us. He didn't say, be better, or uh, what are you doing? What kind of a so-called representative are you? Or anything like that. He totally understood and sympathized with my point of view, and he did something about it. He found me another place to stay that worked out perfectly. And I've often thought of that, especially when I've been in a position where I could rebuke or get after somebody else. You know, it's like the master didn't do that. He didn't fight for when people would, this happened a lot, a lot of different times. I'm aware of instances where sevadars, important sevadars in various places, people who are on the board of directors or held satsang or this or that, you know, fell badly, did something that really bothered other people, uh, marital uh, unfaithfulness, for example, that sort of thing, and thing went up to throw them off. 
Sanchi would, would never let that happen. He would always say, no, give him another chance. What will he have if we do that? In other words, what the Master gives us, whether it's seva, whether it's darshan, whether it's understanding, whatever he gives us, he gives us for one reason, really, to cement the connection between him and us. And that connection is for a purpose, to take us back home. And if that connection, what he gives us, is taken away, then how do, what do we have? How are we going to cement that connection? How are we going to get back home? So it's like, in, invariably, his love and forgiveness and compassion and empathy, and I observed this in Kripal also in the same way, carries the day. And it was such an important lesson to me to realize how he treated me. I mentioned in the talk respect and love and trust. And I have to say that the Master, both Kripal and Sanchi, treated me from the beginning when I was nothing. You know, when I was a scroungy, scrawny young guy running around in a pickup truck and dirty clothes in the 63 tour, scandalizing all the respectable older satsangis, um, which really did happen, by the way. He treated me with respect and love and trust even then and always gave me more than I knew I could handle. And because of the fact that he gave it to me, I found that, well, maybe I can handle this. So, you know, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. How major it is. Well, there are a lot of things that, you know, in the, in the thoughts today the vulnerability of us in this world, the inevitability of suffering, the the suddenness when someone we love is taken away from us or when we are taken away from someone who loves us. All of those things are very much a part of life as we know it, as we live it. But the love of God, the love that is at the core of the universe, the love that the Master has for us, that incredible, overpowering, overwhelming love that never goes away, that is always there if we can find it, if we can look for it, that love is the ultimate reality, and it dwarfs, drowns out, transcends all of those other things that are so difficult. So thank God, you know, we have what we need, and we can do it one step at a time, and each step that we take is accompanied by a million steps from him. And actually, what Master wrote me was, if you take one step toward him, he will take millions of steps toward you. And he wrote that. You know, that letter I wrote to him after I had come back on the path, after two years' absence, two years during which I totally forgot about the Masters, I forgot about whatever experiences I had had, which were not negligible back then. I ate meat, I drank, I went to parties, the whole shebang. And then I was pulled back in the space of one afternoon as I rode in the impact of a saint. And I uh, came home that night from work and I told Judith I was going back on the path. 
out of the blue. I mean, from her point of view, I had left that morning totally not on the path. But of course, we never are not on the path. You know, it's like, no matter if we don't make the best use of it, no matter if we dance around on the grass and say, I'm on the path, even then, the Master is able to make use of whatever mistakes we make and uh, use them in our benefit, which to me is one of the most incredible things about him and about what he does. Okay, we have a video. ਮਸ਼ਕਤ ਮੰਗਦੀ ਹੈ ਮਿਹਨਤ ਤੋਂ ਬਗੈਰ 
ਲਗਨ ਤੋਂ ਬਗੈਰ ਕਿਸੇ ਵੀ ਕੰਮ ਵਿੱਚ ਕਾਮਯਾਬ ਨਹੀਂ ਹੋ ਸਕਦੇ ਸੰਤ ਮਤ ਉਸੇ ਨਿਯਮਤ ਲਗਨ ਅਭਿਆਸ ਕਿਹਾ ਜਾਂਦਾ ਹੈ we know that if you want to achieve anything in this world if you want to work for anything in this world we have to work hard for it without working hard without putting in all the efforts we cannot achieve anything even of this world and that is called the enthusiasm that is called the devotion in the path of the masters such enthusiasm and such devotion is required in the meditation also how to see deglo sukul de andar ਬੱਚਾ ਜਾਂਦਾ ਹੈ ਉਹਦੇ ਨੂੰ ਬੜਾ ਚਾਅ ਵੀ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਹੈ ਜੋਸ਼ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਪੜ੍ਹਾਈ ਦਾ ਚੇਤਾ ਉਹ ਟੀਚਰ ਦਾ ਕਿਹਾ ਮੰਨਦਾ ਰਹੇਗਾ ਉਹ ਅੱਛੇ ਨੰਬਰਾਂ ਚ ਪਾਸ ਹੋਏਗਾ ਜੇ ਟੀਚਰ ਦਾ ਕਿਹਾ ਨਾ ਮੰਨੇ ਜਾਂ ਜੋ ਕੁਝ ਪੜਾਉਂਦਾ ਉਹ ਯਾਦ ਨਾ ਕਰੇ ਕੀ ਉਹ ਪਾਸ ਹੋਣ ਦੀ ਉਮੀਦ ਕਰ ਸਕਦਾ ਹੈ ਯੂ نو ਦੈਟ ਵੈਨ ਦਾ ਚਾਈਲਡ ਫਰਸਟ ਗੋਸ ਟੂ ਦਾ ਸਕੂਲ ਹੀ ਇਜ਼ ਵੈਰੀ ਫੌਂਡ ਆਫ ਗੋਇੰਗ ਟੂ ਦਾ ਸਕੂਲ ਹੀ ਲਾਈਕਸ ਇਟ ਐਂਡ ਹੀ ਹੈਜ਼ ਮਚ ਐਂਥੂਸਿਆਜ਼ਮ if he were to obey his teacher and if he were to learn the lesson which his teacher is teaching him then he can easily pass the examinations he can easily secure high marks but if he does not obey his teacher if he does not learn the lesson taught by the teacher do you think that he can expect to pass the examinations sona khan de vichon khod ke nikale janda hai ise tarah moti prapt karna hai te gaire samandar vich gold is obtained from the ground only after digging the ground and if you want to obtain a precious pearl we have to dive deep into the ocean aise tarah satguru pyar da samandar hai agar naam da moti nikalna hai to sanu us de andar dukki lomi payegi in the same way satguru is the ocean of love and if you want to bring out or take out the pearl of naam we will have to dive into him jo naam daan gade hadaitan dasiyan jandiyan han ke kis tarah bhai tai kante da zaruri hai mai asli karne hai agar vadh samay mil jave to tusi vadh bhi lagao phir hor bahut sariyan hadaitan han ke bhi eh disha ch jana eh ch nahi jana jis tarah doctor dawai ta danda hai ਦੁਆਈ ਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਕਈ ਪ੍ਰੇਜ ਵੀ ਦੱਸਦਾ ਹੈ ਇਸੇ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਸੰਤ ਮਤ ਦੇ ਵੀ ਜਿਹੜੇ ਪ੍ਰੇਜ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਵੀ ਅਸੀਂ ਪਾਲਣਾ ਕਰਨਾ ਹੈ ਐਟ ਦ ਟਾਈਮ ਆਫ ਦ ਇਨੀਸ਼ੀਏਸ਼ਨ ਵੀ ਆਰ ਟੋਲਡ ਦੈਟ ਵੀ ਹੈਵ ਟੂ ਮੈਡੀਟੇਟ ਐਟ ਲੀਸਟ 2 ਐਂਡ 1/2 ਆਵਰਸ ਐਵਰੀ ਡੇ ਦੈਟ ਇਜ਼ ਦ ਮਿਨਿਮਮ ਇਫ ਵੀ ਕੈਨ ਮੈਡੀਟੇਟ ਮੋਰ ਦੈਟ ਇਜ਼ ਈਵਨ ਬੈਟਰ ਐਂਡ ਆਲਸੋ ਸਰਟਨ ਰੂਲਸ ਐਂਡ ਰੈਗੂਲੇਸ਼ਨਸ ਆਰ ਟੋਲਡ ਵੀ ਆਰ ਈਵਨ ਟੋਲਡ ਦੈਟ ਇਨ ਵਿਚ ਡਾਇਰੈਕਸ਼ਨ ਵੀ ਹੈ ਟੂ ਐਂਡ ਵਿਚ ਡਾਇਰੈਕਸ਼ਨ ਵੀ ਡੂ ਨਾਟ ਹੈਵ ਟੂ ਟੇਕ just like when the doctor prescribes any medicine when he gives us the medicine along with the medication he also tells us about certain things which we have to do and as it is important to take the medicine at the same time it is equally important to abstain from the things which he has suggested or which he has prescribed us tyaryo akha kan tyan jo bhi indriya han jivan di sab de utte control karna padta hai the ones we have to control the organs of eyes organs of ears and the other organs main apne matlab dasda hunna hai ke bachpane to yaad si gi main kare shehar de vich nahi gaya si ga aam avara main nahi kareya meri oh aadat ajhe hi bani hui hai main apna kapda khud khareed ke kade gale nahi 
ਬਣ ਜਾਏਗਾ ਔਰ ਜਿਹੜੀ ਮੈਂ ਕਹਿਣਾ ਹੁੰਨਾ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਅੰਨ ਨਾ ਖਾਇਆ ਸਾਧ ਬਵਾਇਆ ਬਹੁਤ ਦੁੱਖ ਪਾਇਆ ਦੂਜਾ ਪਾਇਆ ਉਹ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਮੂੰਹ ਦਾ ਸਵਾਦ ਖਰਾਬ ਕਰਨਾ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਮੇਰੀ ਆਪਣੀ ਹੀ ਤਜਰਬਾ ਹੈ ਕਿਉਂਕਿ ਮੈਂ ਕਾਫੀ ਇਸ ਦੇ ਅੰਦਰ ਉਪਕਾਰ ਕਰਤੀ ਮਿਹਨਤ ਕਰੀ ਸ਼ਾਇਦ ਮੈਂ ਉਹ ਨਾ ਕਰ ਸਕਦਾ ਇਹ ਮੇਰੀ ਕਿਸਮਤ ਦੇ ਅੰਦਰ ਪਹਿਲਾ ਤੇ ਐਸਾ ਕੁਝ ਦਰਜ ਸੀਗਾ ਦੇ ਵਾਂਸ ਓਵਨ ਆਈ ਟੋਲ ਯੂ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਮਾਈਸੈਲਫ ਥੈਟ ਹਾਊ ਰਾਈਟ ਫਰਮ ਦਾ ਵੈਰੀ ਬਿਗਿਨਿੰਗ ਆਈ ਹੈਵ ਨੇਵਰ ਗੋਨ ਟੂ ਦਾ ਮਾਰਕੀਟ ਪਲੇਸਸ ਆਈ ਨੇਵਰ ਹੰਗ ਅਰਾਊਂਡ ਅਨਨੈਸੈਸਰੀਲੀ ਐਂਡ ਸਟਿਲ ਆਈ ਹੈਵ ਥੈਟ ਹੈਬਿਟ ਆਈ ਹੈਵ ਮੇਨਟੇਨਡ ਦੈਟ ਹੈਬਿਟ ਆਈ ਡੋਨਟ ਈਵਨ ਗੋ ਟੂ ਬਾਈ ਮਾਈ ਓਨ ਕਲੋਥਸ when i said that i did not eat the food i lost the taste of the food that was the condition of myself i did not eat the food i did not taste those things and that was the condition which i had lived in and i still maintain that pyare mere paas 50 60 saal hai jinhone mere na jeevan bataya hai ye bhi mere paas hai to main paa khadi karke aje bhi unna ko kehna hai ਕਿ ਯਾਦ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਆਪਣੀ ਜ਼ਿੰਦਗੀ ਦਾ ਦੱਸੋ ਮੈਂ ਤੁਹਾਡੀ ਜ਼ਿੰਦਗੀ ਦੀਆਂ ਪੋਲਾ ਕੱਢਦਾ ਹਾਂ ਨੇ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਮੇਰੀ ਕਢੋ ਵੀ ਕਰਨੀ ਉਸ ਸਿਨੇਮੇ ਚ ਦੇਖਿਆ ਹੋਵੇ ਅੱਛੇ ਅੱਛੇ ਖਾਣੇ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਕਦੇ ਨੁਕਸ ਕੱਢਦਾ ਦੇਖਿਆ ਹੋਵੇ ਜਾਂ ਹੋਰ ਕਿਸੇ ਮੇਲੇ ਮਿਸ਼ਰਨ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਗਿਆ ਹੋਵੇ ਨੇ ਮੈਂ ਕਹਿਣਾ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਮੈਂ ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਦੱਸਦਾ ਹਾਂ ਜਰਾ ਸੋਚ ਕੇ ਦੇਖ ਲਓ ਕੋਈ ਸੂਰਮਾ ਆਦਮੀ ਸੰਗਤ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਬਾਹ ਖੜੀ ਕਰਕੇ ਕਹਿ ਸਕਦਾ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਵੀ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੇ ਮੇਰੇ ਨਾਲ ਜੀਵਨ ਬਿਤਾਇਆ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਜਰਾ ਸੋਚ ਕੇ ਵੇਖਣਾ ਦੇ ਗੱਲ ਨੂੰ ਹੱਥ ਮਾਰ ਕੇ ਦੇਖਣਾ there are still many dear ones who have spent 50 or 60 years with me and they have known about my life and i have known about their lives and that is why proclaiming i ask them that either you tell me about my life or i will tell you that what you have gone through or what you have done in your life have you ever seen me in the cinemas or have you ever seen me in the fairs and the other fun making places or have you ever seen that i have uh criticized the food and like that in the sangat you will not find anyone who can come out and who can stand up and say that he has done any he has seen any anything like this in me be salo ke papu ne mere saath rehne de koi dass sakda hai agar papu yaad de te main bahut bahut dass sakda hai it has been 20 years since i have been with papu and if papu allows me i can say a lot pyare tuhanu jadon inna kuch tusi lagan de naal inniya cheezan da palan karoge tuhanu eh bhi pata hovega ki asi ki laksh prapt karna hai tuhadi madad te oh guru zarur karega ਪਮੇ ਅਜੇ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਨਹੀਂ ਮਿਲਿਆ ਫਿਰ ਵੀ ਉਹ ਉਪਤਰੂਪ ਦੇ ਅੰਦਰ ਤੁਹਾਡੀ ਮਦਦ ਕਰੇਗਾ ਡੀਅਰ ਵਨਸ ਇਫ ਯੂ ਵਿਲ ਫਾਲੋ ਆਲ ਦੀਸ ਥਿੰਗਸ ਵਿਦ ਮਚ ਐਂਥੂਸਿਆਜ਼ਮ ਐਂਡ ਡਿਵੋਸ਼ਨ ਡੈਫੀਨਿਟਲੀ ਯੂ ਵਿਲ ਰਿਅਲਾਈਜ਼ ਯੂ ਵਿਲ ਰਿਮੈਂਬਰ ਥੈਟ ਵਾਟ ਇਜ਼ ਦ ਗੋਲ ਵਿਚ ਯੂ ਹੈਡ ਟੂ ਅਚੀਵ ਐਂਡ ਈਵਨ ਇਫ ਯੂ ਹੈਵ ਨਾਟ ਮੈਚ ਵਿਦ ਦ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਇਨਸਾਈਡ ਸਟਿਲ ਹੀ ਇਜ਼ ਹੈਲਪਿੰਗ ਯੂ ਹੀ ਇਜ਼ ਪ੍ਰੋਟੈਕਟਿੰਗ ਯੂ ਐਂਡ ਹੀ ਵਿਲ ਡੈਫੀਨਿਟਲੀ ਐਕਸਟੈਂਡ ਆਲ ਹਿਸ ਹੈਲਪ ਐਂਡ ਪ੍ਰੋਟੈਕਸ਼ਨ ਟੂ ਯੂ ਮਹਾਰਾਜ ਹਮੇਸ਼ਾ ਸਾਹਮਣੇ ਸੇ ਕਹਿੰਦੇ ਨੇ ਜਿਹਦੇ ਬੂਹੇ ਦੇ ਉੱਤੇ ਬੋਰਡ ਖੜਾ ਹੈ ਕਾਰਵਾਰੇ ਨੂੰ ਸਾਰਾ ਪਤਾ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਮੈਂ ਨੂੰ ਕਦ ਸ਼ਾਮੇ ਕਰਨਾ ਕਦੇ ਨੂੰ ਖਰਾਬ ਡਾਲਣੀ ਹੈ ਇਸੇ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਜਿਸ ਦੇ ਘਰ ਦੇ ਅੰਦਰ ਕੋਈ ਮਜ਼ਦੂਰ ਕੰਮ ਕਰਦ
ਮਜ਼ਦੂਰ ਦੀ ਮਾਲਕ ਨੂੰ ਸਾਰਾ ਫਿਕਰ ਹੈ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਵਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਜੀ ਯੂਜ਼ ਟੂ ਸੇ ਥੈਟ ਹੀ ਐਟ ਹਿਸ ਡੋਰ देयर इज एनी एनिमल द ओनर ऑफ द हाउस नोस दैट व्हेन ही हैज टू फीड द एनिमल व्हेन ही हैज टू टेक हिम टू द शेड फ्रॉम द सर एंड व्हेन ही हैज टू गिव हिम द वाटर ही इज वरीड फॉर हिम एनी ऑलवेज अटेंड्स to all the needs of the animal in the same way if there is a servant working in your home you know that when you have to pay him you know when you have to feed him because you are worried for him to pyare ho ki yo parmatma bekhabar hai eh jehda tusi pehlan padde ho yaad kiya jad hi bhagton ne nange pairi daura aaya eh meri apni dil di awaaz hai eh mere na sara kuch hoya hai kyunki parmatma karta ਨੂੰ ਮੈਂ ਬਚਪਨ ਤੋਂ ਯਾਦ ਕਰਦਾ ਸੀਗਾ ਤੇ ਉਹ ਖੁਦ ਹੀ ਮੇਰੇ ਪਾਸ ਆਇਆ ਆ ਕੇ ਮੇਰੀ ਆਤਮਾ ਨੂੰ ਸ਼ਾਂਤੀ ਦਿੱਤੀ ਉਹਨੇ ਡੂ ਥਿੰਕ ਥੈਟ ਗੋਡ ਆਲਮਾਈਟੀ ਇਜ਼ ਦੀ ਓਨਲੀ ਵਨ ਹੂ ਇਜ਼ ਹੂ ਇਜ਼ ਕੇਅਰਲੈਸ ਔਰ ਹੂ ਡਜ਼ਨਟ ਕੇਅਰ ਫॉर ਅਸ ਵੈਨ ਵੀ ਆਰ ਵਰਕਿੰਗ ਫॉर ਹਿਮ ਦ ਵਰਜਨ ਵਿਚ ਯੂ ਸੇਇੰਗ ਇਨ ਵਿਚ ਇਟ ਸੇਸ ਥੈਟ ਵੈਨ ਦ ਡੈਵੋਟੀ ਰਿਮੈਂਬਰਡ ਹਿਮ ਹੀ ਕੇਮ ਵੇਅਰ ਫੂਡ ਥਿਸ ਇਜ਼ ਦ ਕੰਡੀਸ਼ਨ ਆਫ ਮਾਈ ਓਨ ਸੈਲਫ ਸਿੰਸ ਆਈ ਹੈਡ ਬੀਨ ਰਿਮੈਂਬਰਿੰਗ ਹਿਮ ਆਈ ਹੈਡ ਬੀਨ ਵੇਟਿੰਗ ਫॉर ਹਿਮ ਆਲ ਮਾਈ ਲਾਈਫ ਸਿੰਸ ਮਾਈ ਚਾਈਲਡਹੂਡ so when i remembered him he came to me by himself and he impressed me saavan se kehnde hunde sige ke guru kisi daim tyaar na rahe assi kanna nu hath launde hain lekin tusi dekh lo ke jinnu tusi jaante na ho tuhadi zindagi ch usse din hi aaya hove tuhadi zindagi da koi makan hove tuhadi zindagi di kaafi sari jaydad hove 50 kg zameen si oh ek kare ke mere khade tu chhad ja ਮੇਰੀ ਇਸ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਪਗਲਾ ਕੇ ਰੱਖੀ ਹੋਈ ਸੀ ਮੈਂ ਸਿਰ ਤੇ ਰੱਖਣ ਲੱਗਿਆ ਪਹਿਲਾ ਛੋਟਾ ਜਿਹਾ ਸਾਫਾ ਪਦਾ ਸੀਗਾ ਉਹ ਕਹਿਣ ਲੱਗੇ ਮੈਂ ਤੈਨੂੰ ਇਹ ਕੰਮ ਕਰਨ ਨੂੰ ਤੋਂ ਰੋਕਣਾ ਹੈ ਪਹਿਲੇ ਦਿਨ ਛਿਪਿਆ ਸੀਗਾ ਉਹਨੇ 16 ਪੀਐਸ ਦਾ ਹੁਕਮ ਦਿੱਤਾ ਸੀਗਾ ਜੋ ਕੁਝ ਸਮਾਨ ਸੀ ਉਸੇ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਉਹਨੇ ਛਡਾਤਾ ਸੀਗਾ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਜ਼ਰਮਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਯੂਸ ਟੂ ਸੇ ਦੈਟ ਗੋਡ ਫਰਬਿਡ ਮੇ ਦਾ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਨਾਟ ਪੁੱਟ ਐਨੀਵਨ ਟੂ ਟੈਸਟ ਜਸਟ ਇਮੇਜਿਨ ਦੈਟ ਇਫ ਸਮਵਨ ਹੈਸ ਕਮ ਇਨਟੂ ਯਰ ਲਾਈਫ on that very first day and if you had not known him before and if you have a very good house if you have 50 acres of land and if that person comes to you and at once he tells you that leave everything and go away from here at that time <clears throat> i had my turban off when i tried to put the turban on my head he said that i didn't ask you to put the turban on your head so just imagine that what it takes to do all that especially if you have not known that person if you have not met with that person earlier in your life mainu pata hai man chishkiya man de andar badi halchal hui lekin andro phir bal milya jaise ke maharaj saavan singh to sunde sai ke jis kade nu kwaar kutda hai bahar thape de naal andro de hath hunda hai ohne hath nahi ditta to pyarya dil ch ehi khayal aaya ke eh ta hun eh di marzi hai chaave rakhe to phe rakhe jithe bhi rakhe usse rehna hi padega and then he gave me the orders to go to 16 ps at that time i saw that my mind hesitated in my mind a lot when not happening but at the same time from this from the within this thing came out as i used to hear from master sound saying that when a potter is uh making the pot he is hitting the pot from outside but inside also he keeps another hand to give it to give the protection to give the support so then i thought that now it is up to him whether he wants me to be in the shade whether he wants me to be in the sun wherever he wants me to be now he is responsible so whatever he is telling me to do i should do that let your name reside in my heart 
and let me have the company of the saints. Our closing bhajan is on page 169. This is Nam Tumara Hirade From the Lord I ask for one donation, that all my desires may be fulfilled, so that I may repeat your Nam. Let your feet reside in my heart. Let me have the company of the saints, so that the fire of passions may not spread in my mind, and day and night I may sing your praise. When I have good health, and also when I don't, let me serve God, and in my middle age let me meditate upon him. Nanak says, those who are dyed in the color of God do not take birth and die again. Let your nam reside in my heart, and let me have the company of the saints. Vajan of Guru Arjan Dev on page 169. Nama tumara hire deva se Santanika Sangha Pavo Mangorama Teka Dana Rama Teka Dana Mangorama Teka Dana Rama Teka Dana Sagala manorata purana hove simaro tumara nama. Sagala manorata purana hove simaro tumara nama. Nama Tumara Hire Devase Santaneka Sangrapavo Nama Tumara Hire Devase Santaneka Sangrapavo Charna tumare hire deva se Santane ka sangha pavo Charna tumare hire deva se Santane ka sangha pavo Sogea gana mahamana Nama tumara hire deva se Santaneka sangha pavo 
Let your Nam reside in my heart and let me have the company of the saints. May God bless us all.